name is Anthony Hudson, and welcome to my podcast, The Masterminds. Please join me every month as I bring interviews with some of the very best in the world of sports, from top football managers, sports psychologists, and the leading experts in the world of analytics, team culture, and leadership. I'd now like to welcome a top, top coach. He has been working at the highest level in the game. He's been in the Premier League for 20 plus years, coaching and working with some of the biggest names in the game, alongside some of the biggest managers. A huge amount of experience. Please welcome Steve Round. I want to talk about philosophy. I've talked about it with previous coaches on it, but I'm just curious to get what, what your thoughts on philosophy. Obviously, Nowadays in the media, it's such a hot topic. I think the word's thrown around so loosely. Fans talk about it. Style of play is so important nowadays. But what does philosophy mean to you? How does a young coach develop a style of play, develop a philosophy, develop strong ideas about the game? Is a philosophy even important? Is it about just getting results? What's your your views on this, Steve? Yeah, philosophy is a very big banded word that a lot of people use to hide or to cover a lot of areas of what they deem to be their role and responsibility. Philosophy can, can mean many things. You've got club philosophy, you've got coach philosophy, playing philosophy, um, but what you mean, when what the context is, and what you mean and define by your own philosophy. Now, from a club's philosophy, for example, that can incorporate the style it plays, its identity, what it looks like, So, for example, Arsenal under Arsene Wenger had a distinct philosophy, style and identity, which was very different to Manchester United's under Sir Alex Ferguson. You could, you can see what their style and identity was. And that is the club philosophy. That is the way the club, the club is. It's their identity. And then within that, you've got a coach's philosophy. How does that, how does he want his team to play within that club? Now, the very best coaches, the guys that get success, generally match the club-led philosophy. So, for example, Liverpool wanted a direction to go in. They wanted a new philosophy for a new era of football to re-establish themselves after years of trying but not quite getting there. So they, they set up what their identity was. They looked at what their philosophy could be. They started to think about how their culture would develop Right, who's the best fit? So they recruited Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp's philosophy matched perfectly for what they're about. Now then, he he then transcribed that into what you see on the field. So now when you talk to Jurgen Klopp, for example, about his philosophy, he will talk about ethics, values, playing style. So he'll talk about My team has to commit to this, to each other, to teamwork, to team ethic, to hard work, to being fit, i.e. probably the fittest team in the league, to be able to run the furthest, run the fastest, repetitive sprints. All these things are part of my, my, the ethics that I want my team to show. They've got to be well-behaved. They've got to be together. I don't want any idiots. I don't want any dickheads. I don't want people out in in the streets getting drunk and so on and so forth. We have standards. We have values. And then he has a playing style for his philosophy. Right, we're going we're gonna to press high, we're going to counterattack with speed, we're going to keep the ball. Whatever he decides that that is, he'll have a criteria to the way he wants his team to play. 
And then from that, it's very easy for the club to recruit because the recruiters can now say, okay, we know what our club philosophy is. We know what its identity is. We know what our manager's playing style is because it fits the club. And we know what he wants to see within our players that we recruit that match this. And if we can get the fit so we can get all those, tick all those boxes for that player, then we've got a match on recruitment. Now, all of a sudden, they start getting big success and they stick with it through good times, through bad times, through different times. If you've got a very strong identity club-led, very strong coach philosophy in terms of his style and the way he wants to play, his values and his ethics. You've got recruiters always banging on in the same players and the same will fit that, that aren't at random angles to it. Then even when they go through a bad time, come through it, they'll come through it quicker because they're just everybody's on the same page, everybody's aligned. And I think it's, it's very easy to say from coaches, and this is where people go wrong, where they say, oh, we, we've got a coach that is totally, his philosophy is totally possession-based. He's totally passing-based. He plays like Pep Guardiola. He's, he's got a real desire and a drive to make sure that we get a 1,000 passes a game and we play beautiful football out from the back and so on. But he's got the job at Stoke. At Stoke have had years of direct method of play, balls in the box, getting the ball wide, crosses. They've recruited on it. The academy's built on it. They've got a style of play that's ingrained that the punters want to see, all exciting, and it's gotten great success. And all of a sudden, you might have a great coach with the wrong philosophy for that club, or you might have a great club who's got the wrong coach for their identity and philosophy. I think you have to match up all the time. I think it's really important for owners, sport directors and coaches to understand where they fit and what's best for their football club. And that's all talking philosophy. So, Steve, the, the three clubs you mentioned there, Stoke, Arsenal and Liverpool, to, to me, they've all, they've all got really strong philosophies, club philosophies, historically anyway. What about the coaches that go into a club that don't have a, don't really have any clear direction or don't have a, a strong club philosophy about how who they are and how they want to play and what they want to represent? And a, and a coach goes in and he has an idea about how he wants to play. What's important for that coach to start with in terms of surviving, in terms of buying himself enough time to be able to get what he believes he wants his teams to play? Well, <laughs> the simple answer is it's not just a win. Because we're in a results-driven business, uh, but you have to determine from the the coach has to determine from the owner what success looks like. So, if if the owner and the CEO and the board and maybe a sporting director, if he's playing for a sporting director, if they if they think success looks like making sure we stay in the championship, making sure that we make money on young players, making sure that we bring academy players through. Uh, then you, you've got an idea about what you have to deliver as a coach. And you might have to sacrifice sometimes, um, well, not necessarily sacrifice, but you, you might have to coach to that remit so that you're, you're developing players and you have to suffer the odd defeat because the young players are coming through, but you are developing players. I think a great example of that would have been last season at Derby County where Frank Lampard went in. And they said, yeah, the ultimate goal is, is promotion. However, we think we've got a very good group of young players coming through. We're going to support that with some loans with some other young players. We think you're a coach that can develop young players. And let's see where the journey takes us. There was no pressure on him to win, win, win. 
and it, and it was a very good appointment and it nearly got them promotion and lost in the playoff final. So a very successful season in their context, even though they didn't go up. And everybody would have been disappointed they didn't go up, but still it was a very successful season. So I think as a coach going in to start with, really you need to, you need to have a strong idea about who you are. Leadership starts with understanding yourself. If you understand yourself totally and who you are and what you're about, what you want to coach, what are your non-negotiables, what are your negotiables, what are you flexible on, what you're not flexible on, what's your style of play, how do you coach, how do you manage your staff? If you're very sure in your own philosophy in terms of all those aspects, then when you go into a club, you can help them either change, evolve, or if it's entirely needed and you feel the sense for it, revolutionise. Um, but if you're if you're a coach and you go into a club and you don't understand yourself, you don't necessarily understand how you want to play, you don't understand what your working week looks like, how you manage your staff, how you develop your culture and your team spirit. Um, if you don't have all these things absolutely nailed on, it's going to be very difficult because you're always reacting off the result. You're always right. We lost today playing four three three. I think we might have better playing five five at the back. So you change to five at the back, and then you don't get a win or you get a draw. And well, we'd have been definitely better playing four four two. We needed two up front. You play two up front, you get done in midfield. All of a sudden, you lose the game. You go, oh, we need three in midfield. You go back to four three three. The players are all over the place. You've lost all your style and you've and, and you've lost your you've lost your credibility with the players because they're saying he doesn't know what he's doing. He keeps changing it every week and they get an outlet. They get an excuse, a ready-made excuse. It's the coach's fault. You know, you, it's very important. You, you're strong and not necessarily, you, you've got to be single-minded in your outlook towards coaching and what you want to, what you want to deliver. Um, but you've also got to be quite tacit and, and, and understand the, the, the changes that go on and, and, in the context that you're in, you've certainly you've certainly got to know that that your own coaching mind and yourself. You've got to know that better than anything. Steve, how can a young coach be proactive in developing their philosophy? Is it through their experience as a player? Is it through watching games, going out and watching managers work, visiting other clubs? How, how can how can a coach be proactive in really gaining strong ideas about the game? about what they want, how they want their teams to play, what they stand for. Can a coach really be proactive with that? No, it's, it's a mixture of everything. I don't think there is any one thing that you can say that develops you as a person and as a coach. So you can't, you can't go and take the course A and suddenly become a tactical genius. You can't take course B and suddenly become the best emotionally intelligent leader in the world. It's a mixture of so many different things that have to come together. So you have to go on courses because you can learn so much through through education, through official uh, academic ed- education, whether that be a football association course, a university course. They are fantastic and you can learn so much. And if you get the really, a really good course where it's experimental, where you can go out and see different sports and different ideas and, and then review it and learn from it, terrific. But then you've also got to go out and get those study visits. You've got to go out and visit coaches. You've got to go out and see best practice. You've got to go out and feel what a resonant 
high elite culture looks like, high performance elite culture. You've, you've, you've got to go and feel it, smell it, see it, and understand it. Um, I think a lot of coaches in today's modern era spend a lot of time on perfecting perfect practice. So they go out and they understand that they've got to get the dimensions of the pitch right. They've got to get the drill right that they're going to put on. They've got to make sure the players understand it. You know, and, and you've got to transfer across that message that this is how we're going to play on Saturday because we're practicing through to the game. This is what's going to help us win. And they spend so much detail on that. And they ha without a doubt, that is imperative towards success. However, I don't feel the modern coach spends enough time in developing himself and his leadership style and his characteristics, his behavioural patterns, his emotional intelligence, his, his ability to manage fear and ego, his, his ability to lead and inspire his immediate team around him. Just on, on All that, that comes from self-guidance and self-reflection. Everything you've just described then, because the tactical side and the coaching side, you, you, they're, they're a lot more objective. You can go out there and seek that and, and develop it and learn it through hours and hours of practice and repetition. The, the leadership side of it, you're saying that the, the best way to develop that is through self-reflection. No, not, not just self-reflection. It's one of the aspects yeah. for sure. There are many leadership courses you can go on, understanding emotional intelligence, uh, understanding yourself, talking to sports psychology and psychological educators. Um, I think these things, understanding modern leadership, you know, are you, are you introvert or extrovert? You know, are you, are you um, a decision maker, critical decision maker, or do you like to go with a flow and just be instinctive? There are, there are many... I'm not saying that any one style is any better than any others because everybody's different, everybody's human. But we spend so much time as leaders and as coaches dealing with human doings. We don't spend enough time on being human beings and what human beings are. Because even when you're coaching and you're leading people out on the field, to get them to, to really deep down understand the messages you're getting across and how you want to play and your style and what's important to you, and the fundamental tactics of your game plans, they've got to be some focus in and understand exactly where you want to take them as a coach. And the way you do that is by all the other soft skills, by being a human being. Um, the days of I say you do and I demand it, you've still got to have that as a coach a little bit. You've still got to have a little bit of coercive leadership, but everything now is affiliative and, and yeah. coach-driven. Just, just leading on from this, Steve, in sort of my travels of, of where I've worked, I've, had, I've been very fortunate where I've the dressing rooms of rugby teams, my time in New Zealand, I, you know, as a national team manager, I got a lot, of, a lot of time in between windows and I used to go and spend time with the All Blacks and the Auckland Blues and the Crusaders and things like that. And I absolutely loved it and it was incredible learning for a coach. What I just loved in, in their environments, their cultures, that it was the, the development of the game plan and the development of the season it wasn't just a one-way conversation. It was it was literally the players had complete involvement in the process. The players had involvement in analysing the opposition. They had input in the game plan. I, I remember one week I spent down there with, with a team 
And I was amazed that two or three of the meetings, actually the coaches didn't talk. The players got up, the, the, the four players, the defenders, they got up and they, they'd already, with the analyst, clipped the video, short video, and they presented that video back to the team about their opposition on the weekend. The coach didn't say anything in, in, in these meetings. Now, I loved it. And I've tried in, in football to, to drip feed little bits of that and get players more involved and take ownership. But it just seems in football, it's the, the psychology or the mindset is completely different to, say, rugby or other sports or even out here in America where you've got, you know, American football is slightly different as well. What's your thoughts on that? Like, do you think football can move into an area where players take more ownership on the game plan, learning, development? Why is there a difference? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you 100%. I've visited many organisations and seen things very similar. Um, the, for, for me, it's a fantastic way to, to manage, to coach, to lead, to inspire, for players to learn, for them to take ownership of their own performance and help drive the message. I think it's stronger. I think it develops more trust. And I, and I think you, you're trying to build... There's definitely a movement within in leadership circles about empowerment, about empowering people to be successful. I think in sports organisations, you want people to be leaders. You want people to take ownership of that issue and lead from the front, to go out there and be, you know, if you've got five or six leaders on your team, it becomes so much easier to coach. You'll have experienced that. Um, and I think some of the other sports do it great. And I think we as coaches, the more other sports, I think football's very insular. And I think you could learn so much from other sports. I, I learned a tremendous amount from all the sports I've visited, whether that be NFL, NBA, cricket, rugby, you name it, um, uh, and, and also different football clubs in different cultures in different countries. It, we, we could learn so much and adapt it. We don't do it, not as much as we should. I think we are moving in direction. There are some brave coaches out there and some smart coaches that were starting to instill this. They're starting to get active um, player groups together to try and help develop and deliver game plans and to try and help and deliver and understand of where they want to be and what they want to drive. And I think you're starting to see some of them become very successful. I think that the problem that we have in football is sometimes those coaches do so well and therefore they get headhunted by a bigger and better organisation. They go in and their culture is just totally not ready for it. They try it and, it and it goes wrong. They lose a few games and they get the sack and they have to start again because we're so brutal with how we, we spit coaches out. I, I think there are issues in football. You know, there are definitely a different social divide between footballers and rugby players in, in on mass and an education divide and that's not to say I'm not tarnishing everybody with the same brush I'm saying that you know that there are a lot of rugby players that are very well educated and understand their arena which is moved that way quicker better than footballers understand theirs I think in my experience footballers want to be guided and told and organized and and led by one guy at the front because it's always been that way, so they don't experience anything different. And then some of the players that come through and become successful coaches to come through and really evolve the way we coach and teach in professional football, there's no question. I think it's very, very powerful when you can get a group of guys who are that bought into the way you want to work and you trust them enough to deliver that and they trust you to give them the information and support if it goes right or wrong. One of the things you see, Anthony, you know, if, if you're a coach in, a, in, the, in, let's say you're a coach in the championship and you're trusting your five leaders to go out there and deliver a game plan to the rest of the team 
and so forth, and it doesn't work and you lose. You're three games from the sack. You're six games from the sack. You know, it, it's very difficult for them for the coach to trust the players to deliver. And it's very difficult for the players then to say, well, have we really bought into this properly? Is it yeah. right? And, and it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very different culture. We, we need to give coaches more more time, more, more solid grounding behind them and more trust. And I think you start to see it with somebody like a Jurgen Klopp who's in situ, who's solid, who's strong, who's winning, who can then start to develop these tactics moving forward. I, I, do, I do agree with you. I think it's a great thing. I'll touch on what, what you mentioned there about creating leaders. I think when we're, when we're talking about players taking ownership of the game plan and certain processes around what you do during your week, the reality is it's about the, the why. The why of that is creating more leaders that's the why and I think when players understand the why they're, they're more inclined to buy into that I'm just curious as to your experience in, in past clubs the teams you've worked with managers you've worked with what's your experience on, on, on ways in which you've created and tried to build more leaders within the group um, our club I worked at previously we, we had a leaders group um, it, it was very difficult for the head coach to meet with the leaders group because the players were then fearful about what they'd say and the coach was fearful about what they'd say. So it was easier actually for the number two, which wasn't me, I was just I was working as a consultant there, just going in and doing a little bit of work with one or two people. But I sat in one or two of these leaders' meetings and actually when the coach left and I was sat on my own, the whole group opened up. And they were they were very strong on on a few issues about how they would like how they how they would like to evolve their style as a team, and they had some really fascinating, interesting views. To be honest, now I fed that back what was applicable to the coach without betraying any trust. The coach accepted it, and he tried to change his li- a little bit to incorporate what they were saying, which which actually led towards more success. Right. That, was, that was a a good thing, but I think you have to be a strong leader. And a very, very solid in your style and your philosophy to allow players to come in and actually help you evolve. It's definitely the way forward. I believe in it, but you know, I, I think you've, you've and you've got to have you've got to have some security. You've got to have some security from the people above you to be able to to experiment like that in football. So, talking about security. You know, in football, there's a huge amount of challenge and highs and lows, and the, and the need to to recover quickly. You know, in your in your experience, is there are there processes that you use or have used that have helped you recover quicker? You know, is there a is there a certain mindset that you go into, certain strategies that you use, either yourself or other managers you work with, that have really helped you respond quicker and and really face what's in front of you with a with a with a much stronger mindset? Yeah, um, it becomes it becomes easier the more times it happens, and I'm not saying that you know you've been six sacked six seven eight times, but the first time's always the hardest. A lot of it comes down again to understanding yourself and allowing yourself the time for self-reflection, for external criticism, and for some truth-telling. And I think you have to come to terms with the fact of, why did I fail? 
what did I do right? What was good? What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Um, in a different circumstances, how would I have dealt with that differently? What was the context at the time? Because generally, the worst thing you can do is post um, post a sacking or where things haven't gone well. It might not be a sacking. You might just have lost three or four games on the trot. It, the most important thing is, what have I done wrong? What, what could I do better? Is this problem me? Is it circumstance? Is it players? What's the real truth and the reason behind this? And how can I work towards changing that to become successful? Do I have to change it drastically and revolutionize? Do I have to evolve it? Do I have to increase communication? Do I have to decrease communication? What do I have to do myself? And first of all, is it myself? And I think even after you lose your job, you have to go through that process where, you know, you... You recharge the batteries, but during recharging your batteries and regaining your energy and self-educating and self-learning and self-reflection becomes crucial. Um, after, after I left Manchester United, um, we, we were in the job, what, nine months? Totally felt it was unjust to, to sack us at that point. We'd had hardly any success in the transfer windows. We hadn't changed around the team. The team needed to completely rebuild it. And we needed to get to grips with and understand who Manchester United was and what it was about. And um, the longer that we would have had to do that, without a doubt, I feel that the manager at the time would have got stronger and stronger and stronger because he was an outstanding manager. That's, you know, take nothing away from him. He's one manager of the year three times, David Moyes, you know. But we just needed some time to settle in and, and, and to make the changes that needed doing to, to, and to just evolve the club into a new team and a new era. We didn't get that time. So, you know, you, you, you instantly feel, you know, oh, this is wrong. They've made a mistake. Why are they doing it? It's blame, 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 blame. Well, actually, I decided to take a year off then because I'd done 20 years, 20 years on the front line, you know, in the Premier League. It's nearly a 1,000 games. And I just needed some time to recharge, to re-energise, to get my love of the game back, to understand the coaching process, to go out and see what was different in the world. And also, during that time, it gave me a great opportunity to self-reflect. What did I not do well enough at Manchester United? What did I fail at? What could I have done better? How could, have I, how could I have changed myself to adapt to the situation? How could I have then changed the situation to become better? And I think when you go through that process, it makes you A, a better person and B, a far better coach. I, I did some other things as well as that. I went to university did a master's degree. I uh, I went I went and started to learn about other sports more more than I'd ever done before. I've always been a big visitor of different sports, but I went even more because I had time in that year to go and see it, really take time away from football and say, you know, what is really important to me as a leader and as a coach, and how can I improve from this experience? I think when you get that self reflection, I think that helps you move on much quicker and become back a better coach. Steve, I think that's really interesting what you shared there about your when you took the year off, you know, doing other doing courses, going to visit other team sports, other codes. I think that's really important, and also, which is what I want to touch on, the, the self reflection, and asking yourself some really strong and direct and honest questions 
but my my thing what I want to ask you about is you know what if you you're not the the type or you're not naturally someone who self-reflects because also normally when you need to the most it's the hardest to do because you're so emotionally involved in a problem or a situation or the pressure do you have any experience or advice that you can share about other means of being able to get yourself out of certain situations so you so so you can really see what's going on and you can really see the truth are there other people that can help you outsiders staff members assistants what's your experience in that yeah absolutely absolutely i mean i couldn't do it all on my own i had mentors that helped me i had mentors i could speak to um you know i went to i went and spoke to some external people as well um to try and come to terms with who i was and where i wanted to go and where i'd been um there are lots of people out there that'll help you lots of people and you need to do that the the, the issue the issue with a coach who has a bad experience and fails it's if they jump straight back in are they going to make the same mistake and fail again or have they learned from the experience and can they then transfer all that learning experience to the new experience and, and, and change the way that they work? You're obviously going to have some, like we said before, non-negotiables that you're going to stick to, your principles and your philosophies. But, you know, why did I fail at that club? And the next club that I step into, how can I improve and be better? Um, it's too easy just to blame, blame the club and bl- blame the circumstances. It's too easy to say, well, you know, the, the club didn't get me the right players or the sporting director didn't want me there anyway or the chairman, there was one guy on the board want me, the one guy didn't and all the rest of it. All you're doing then is saying, I'm going to jump into the next job. I'll probably make the same mistakes. You know, you've, you've, got, you've got to understand um, what constitutes success, how you can be successful at coach, what are you really good at and how can I deliver that? And then also, what can I improve on the last experience? What can I do differently? How can I change and adapt? How can I improve? Um, and you do need some truth tellers. You need some people out there that you can rely on. You need some mentors. They're, they're crucial. They're crucial. There are organisations can help you. PFA, LMA. Um, there, are, there are certain people out there that will help try and you know put you with people. And I think that you mentioned to me earlier about you know you had a good chat once with Sam Allardyce, for example. You know, all these things where you can go in and talk to people and understand and develop as a person and as a coach is, is far better yeah. than just trying to shoulder the burden yourself. Emotionally get involved and move from one emotional disaster to the next. You'll also learn from, you know, that there, there are contexts which make it very difficult for people to be successful. You know, the, the type of club that you go in, something happens at a club that's out of your control and puts it on a downward spiral. There are certain things where... You know, you may have played a poor heart, a poor hand very well and still lost your job. But that period of self-reflection will tell you that actually, no, I did the right thing. I have made the right choices. I made the right decisions. This was something out of my control and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't turn that around. And, and, and you, you'll get a positive learning experience from either way. But it's understanding, A, what context we were in, what the issues were, and how can I improve and get better? Steve, that was great. Thank you so much. Some really, really good information there. Great insight and, and, and huge amount of experience. Thank you for your time, Steve. Uh-huh.